Um, Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 is my text. Uh, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud, watch this, of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Several years ago in a prophetic dream, I heard very clearly the word thundercloud. Now understand that this is a phrase I hardly ever use. So when I receive words like this in dreams, I pay close attention. I looked it up in the dictionary and a thundercloud is basically a cloud that is charged with electricity and produces lightning and thunderings, right? Interestingly, there are several references of thunderclouds in Scripture and I want to explore what they mean to us prophetically as a community of, of people and how we can apply them in our daily lives. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1 is probably the most famous uh, scripture is a promise that if we will ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The reason we ask for rain in the time of the latter rain is sometimes in Israel, during the time of the rainy season, it does not rain. And so we must ask for rain. And the Lord says, if you will do that, I will send blessings and I will send flashing clouds or thunder clouds. Hallelujah. Uh, Revelation 4, 5 says that from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Exodus 19 is the episode of God's glory coming down on Mount Sinai. It was so terrifying. It was so fearful. The whole mountain range burned with fire. And the Bible says thunderings and lightnings and thick clouds on the mountain. And its appearance was like a devouring fire. Now there are two parts to this thundercloud. Number one, the thunder, and number two, the clouds. Let me just talk about clouds for a few moments. The word cloud appears 147 times in Scripture, and it's always associated with the glory of God. When God led the children of Israel out in the wilderness, He led them by a pillar of cloud. When the glory of God descended upon the tabernacle, it came in a form of a cloud. On a mount of transfiguration, the Father descends on the mountain in a form of a cloud and it overshadowed the disciples. When Jesus was taken into heaven, the Bible says He was taken in a cloud and when He returns, He will return in the same cloud. Not the clouds of earth, but the clouds of heaven. And in Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, it says, Behold, He comes with the cloud and every eye shall see Him. This is not the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the second coming, He comes with his horse and with the armies of heaven but this time this is the sign of the Son of Man appearing in the skies and the Bible says every eye shall behold him as he comes in that cloud. I say all of that to say that when the Lord appears he's often shrouded with the clouds of glory. Then of course we have the wonderful picture of the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12 and 1 and I'll circle back to this in a few moments but allow me just to talk about thunder for a few moments. As early as I remember as a child, I've always been afraid with a, about a loud clap of thunder, something about this loud clap of thunder that always made me run for cover. And I want to be honest with you today that sometimes when it's thundering, I still put my fingers in my ear. It's always the sense, and I know that many of you probably do the same thing. It's something about a loud clap of thunder that makes us all a little afraid. Many years ago, I was in Uganda with my wife, At five o'clock in the morning, we heard this rolling thunder. It was so loud, so uh, prolonged 
that it activated all the alarm systems of the cars that were parked in the hotel. We could hear all the car park, uh, car alarms going off. And even the alarms in the, in, the, in the hotels, they were going crazy. And I personally believe that the voice of the Lord was in that, in that thunder, but we were not yet trained to hear the voice and discern the voice of God. The psalmist speaks about the secret place of thunder. Now, thunder is associated with several things in the Word of God. Number one, it's associated with God's voice. 2 Samuel 22 talks about the, the Lord thundering from heaven and the Most High uttered His voice. Job 37 talks about exhorting us to hear attentively to the voice, the thunder of His voice and the rumbling that comes from His mouth. And it says, God thunders marvelously with His voice. Hallelujah. Now allow me to explain a little difference between the, the voice of God and the Word of God. The Word of God is the content of what God is saying, but the voice of God is the medium that carries the Word. Am I making sense to you? Though, uh, we all have a voice. All of us are different. Our voices are all different. And ladies and gentlemen, we recognize each other by our voices, yes? When my wife calls me on the phone, she does not say, hi, I am Daphne Young. I immediately recognize her voice. And if I don't, if I, yeah, if I don't, I'm in trouble, okay. <laughs> we recognize each other by our voices. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And he wants us to recognize him by his voice. Now we're not recognized by our words, but by our voices, but we will be judged by our words, not by our voices, all right? Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when God deposits faith in our hearts, He's expecting a return on the faith that He has put in our hearts. Faith does not come when we hear the voice. It comes when we hear the rhema or the quickened Word of God. What does it mean? It means that when I speak a word or when someone else speaks a word and it's heard, it does not make a difference, ladies and gentlemen, if the medium that carried the word was my voice or someone else's voice, what matters is if the word of God is spoken and if it's believed upon, then the Bible says faith is produced. Hallelujah, amen. Now, if God's word can produce healing, when I speak it, when I pray for the sick, I command in the name of Jesus, you be healed right now. When I speak the word, people get healed. Now, if people can get healed, if I speak the word, how much more if the word comes from the voice of God? Amen. Genesis 1 and verse 3, the Lord says, Let there be light. And it was a creative word that was carried by the voice of God Himself. And light exploded and the heavens ablaze throughout uh, the universe with light. Now, when we say it, or when I say it, things don't happen. Or things don't happen in the same intensity. And I think we need to ask the Lord why. Why is it when we speak, things don't happen the way it should happen? A preacher once said this. He said that God's word in your mouth is the same as God's word in his mouth. I used to believe that. I don't believe that any longer because ladies and gentlemen, there's no one that speaks like God. Hallelujah. His voice is different from our voices. Amen. And I believe that, and this is what I postulate, by the way, that as your authority increases, it increases in your voice, not a matter of volume, not a matter of shouting, but it increases in your voice. There's a growing in intimacy. There's a growing authority that comes through the voice of the believer. You no longer are an echo. You are a voice. Hallelujah. 
John the Baptist was not an echo in the wilderness. He was not mouthing out something, cliches or platitudes. No, sir. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Amen. The demon said to the sons of Sceva, they said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who in the world are you guys, right? What did the demons recognize? They recognized authority and there was no authority in those guys. But they recognized the authority that Paul carried, that Jesus carried. I've asked the Lord on several occasions, Lord, increase my authority in my voice. It's the voice that really is important. You know what the Lord said to me recently? He said, let your words be few. Let your words be few. In other words, if you want a greater authority in your life, watch and be careful what you say. Hallelujah. Now, in the Hebrew, the word for word and the word for thing is the same word. It's the Hebrew word deba. It's coming out in the screen. They're one and the same thing. What does that mean? It means that words are real. They are concrete. They can build up. They can pull down. They can tear down. And they last as well. Hallelujah. Have you ever heard, I heard uh, on this social media, I heard this Jewish man explaining uh, a word in Aramaic and the word is abracadabra. Have you heard of that word? It's when sometimes you go to a magician's show and he waves his wand, abracadabra. Now the word abracadabra is an Aramaic word and it means I create as I speak. That's what it means. Uh, in other words, the words that we speak have creative power. Now, the Bible is Jesus in print. Amen. He's the Logos. He's the Rhema of the Word. Bill Johnson, I think, once said recently, he said, don't tell me that you love Jesus in heaven if you don't love Jesus in this book. Hallelujah. Amen. So be introspective. Be careful what you say. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. In John 12, we have a few Greeks that they came to Jesus. Uh, they wanted to be introduced to Jesus. Uh, he, something precipitates in him. He realizes that his, his death is coming soon and you know he's going to taste death. It's not just going to be tasting death. That was no problem for him, right? He was going to taste the sins of the whole world. Everyone who's ever sinned, uh, their, life, their sins are going to be placed upon him. He's going to go into hell and he's going to suffer in hell for you and I so that we don't have to go there. And so he feels the weight of it and he says, what, what shall I say in this time of my great grief? He said, Father, save me from this hour. He says, no, sir, that's not the prayer that I'm going to pray. Because for this hour, I came into this world. I came to die for uh, mankind. He said, but this prayer, I will pray. Father, glorify your name. And the moment he said that, the voice, there was a thunder from heaven and a voice spoke from heaven and the Father said, I have glorified you. I will glorify you again. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know, the wonderful thing was that people around it, they didn't hear the voice, they heard the thunder. They said, oh my goodness, there was a thunder. They didn't hear the voice. Only Jesus heard the voice. Why? Because he was so trained to hear the voice of God. His, voice, his ears were inclined to heaven. And that's what I want to say to you, my friends. Every time you hear a loud clap of, on top of thunder, still your heart and say, God, speak to me. Speak to me because God often thunders and He masks His voice in a thunder. Hallelujah. Amen. And only those who have been trained will learn to discern the voice. So when you hear a loud clap of thunder on a bright sunshiny day, say, God, speak to me, please. What are you saying to my nation? What are you saying uh, to the church in this hour? Amen. Reveal your voice to me. Yes, 
God can speak in a still small voice. Yes, He can speak in, from His Word, but He can also thunder His voice from heaven. Amen. Secondly, uh, thunder is associated with the throne of God. Revelation 4 is a description of the throne in heaven. I have often, you know, had the idea that when we see God on His throne, we will find a very old man sitting on the throne, almost dozing off. And it's so serene, so calm, and fat baby angels flying about in fluffy clouds. That's not the picture you get in the Bible, sir. Uh, the, the reality is the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Our God is a consuming fire. And He clothes Himself with raging clouds of glory. Amen. Now remember in Exodus 19, the glory of God comes and the mountain is burning with fire. The whole mountain is blackened with fire. Clouds, lightning and thundering. The people are shaking. Even Moses is shivering. Can you imagine the, the, the intensity of what was happening? Number three, thunder is also associated with God's judgment. I'm going to read two verses to you and I want you to see the commonality of these verses. 1 Samuel 7 verse 10, it says, Now Samuel was offering the burnt offering and the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord, but the Lord thundered with a loud voice, uh, with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that they and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. One of the things that thunder does is it confuses the enemy. I don't know if you've ever been in the car, but I remember when my kids were young, driving them, they were bickering at the back. The music is loud. Uh, my wife's uh, saying something to me and I'm trying to look at the directions on the GPS or whatever. And I get all these discordant sounds make me confused because I'm not very good at multitasking. I can only do one thing at the same one time. Amen. Uh, uh, but, um, and that's what thunder does. It confuses the enemy because of the discordant sounds. I want to suggest to you, I say all that to say to you that Elijah is the prophet of fire in the Bible. He's the one that's associated with calling fire. And did you know at the end of his life, he could call fire as often as he desired. As often as he desired. Because God trusted him with the powers of the age to come. Now, if Elijah is the prophet of fire, I want to suggest to you right now that Samuel is the prophet of thunder. Because three times in the Bible, thunder is associated with the prophet Samuel. Whenever he prayed, thunder came, hallelujah, as a sign for the prophet. So when Jesus called the two disciples, James and John, sons of thunder, I think you've got to understand he wasn't, when they wanted to call fire down on a Samaritan village, Jesus said, what kind of spirit do you have? I did not come to destroy, I came to save, amen. He said, in, in other words, let me rephrase that. You don't have the spirit of Elijah to call fire. What I have given you is the spirit of Samuel, not to destroy this village, but to save it. Amen. To save it. Amen. And they carried something because, you know, John is coming back at the end of the age to, to give a word to the church. And we must have an expanded understanding because he was given a book to read in Revelation chapter 11. The angel had a book and he said, eat the book because you will prophesy again to the nations. Hallelujah. So we have the, the prophetic thing that's coming again. And I, I just want you to or have an open heart, open mind about the fact that, that uh, the cloud of witnesses will be coming to speak. Now, I want to just take a, this to a bit of a landing. And in the last five, ten minutes that I have with you, I want to look back at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. I want to talk about the cloud of witnesses. Now, I'm sure every one of you have heard of the term cloud computing. Uh, the idea of cloud computing dates back 
to the 1960s when it was first mooted, but it was only in 2006 that Google formalized the concept of cloud computing and now everybody's in the cloud, right? The first thing you've got to understand about the cloud of witnesses is number one, the church universal does not just comprise of the church on earth, it also comprises the church in heaven. You must have an expanded understanding of the church, amen. The church in heaven is not perfected or complete without us. We cannot finish the task without them. There must be a synergy of ages. We must learn to, com to work with the church in heaven, amen. Now, we must allow God to shift our understanding on this if we're going to see breakthroughs because if you don't allow this, this understanding to come into your life, you might miss a huge part of your training here on earth. Huge part. And I'm going to show you for a few moments, from, uh, in a few moments, how that works. But when the church in, on earth is truly aligned with the church in heaven, then I tell you that's when the earth will shake. Hallelujah. Amen. The second thing is, those who belong to Christ and who have gone to be with Him are not dead, but they're very much alive. That's why in our Christian funeral, when our friends and our loved ones who love Jesus and have gone to be with the Lord, we should not be mourning, we should be rejoicing because the Bible says in the presence of God, there is joy forevermore. They are far more happy than we are. I am telling you this, I'm going to preach one day about what happens to you when you die, hallelujah. Because there is joy in the presence of God, amen. Unspeakable joy. In Matthew 22, a group of Sadducees came to Jesus and they asked him a silly, ridiculous, hypothetical question and they asked the question to mock the idea of the resurrection. They said, Jesus, there was a man Married a wife, the wife didn't have any children, he dies. So the brother takes over the responsibility, marries the wife, he dies. And then another Mary dies, and everybody dies except the wife. And then she finally dies, no children. In the resurrection, in the resurrection, they were mocking Jesus. Whose wife would he be? Would, whose wife? Would any one of the, you know. And so, listen, they didn't believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> So Jesus said two things to them. He says, number one, you don't know the power of God, neither do you know the Word of God. What was He saying? What was the Sadducees ignorant about? They were ignorant of the fact that the God we serve is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. He said, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, boy, they are alive today, hallelujah. And he debunked the whole idea that the Sadducees were trying to bring up. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't, we don't mourn as the world mourns because the loved ones that we have, those who have gone to be with the Lord, are so alive, hallelujah, so alive, amen. And you are going to meet all your ancestors who have gone to be with Jesus, amen. It's going to be a day of great rejoicing, by the way. Number three, the veil between earth and heaven is getting thinner and there's coming a greater interaction between both dimensions. One thing for sure, more and more people are having encounters with the cloud of witnesses. I've had many dreams in my life, many dreams. I've been searching my journal 
on all the dreams that I've had. And in many of my dreams, these old men would come to me with long beards, white hair, and clothed with white garments, and they would speak to me about destiny. They would speak to me about my scroll. They would speak to me about things in my life. Pastor Lip has had these experiences as well. And we know what we're talking about. These are true experiences, real experiences with the cloud of witnesses. Some of you have had this experience as well. So don't regard the interaction between the great cloud of witnesses and the encounters that they bring. I want to suggest to you that the activities of heaven and earth are merging. So when you go to sleep, prepare your heart to have an encounter with God. You say, Pastor, how do I prepare myself? Do I drink Milo when I sleep? No, sir. <laughs> Pray. Amen. Who are these cloud of witnesses? They are they're the believers that have gone before us and they've been counted worthy uh, to be in the ranks of the great company of saints in heaven. The spirits of just men made perfect and who are gathered before the throne of heaven. They remain active, participating members of the church of Jesus Christ. The word witnesses, by the word, is the word maturio in the Greek, and it means martyr. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Now, when I first met, when I first read about the cloud of witnesses, I imagined in my mind a grandstand with all these people at the finishing line cheering us on. Come on, finish the race, amen. Um, and I had a very passive view uh, of these, um, of these uh, cloud of witnesses, like, in, they, they, like they had a very passive role. But I've discovered this, there, there, there is nothing but, anything but passive. Amen. Having said that, I don't think we should seek encounters with the cloud of witnesses. No, sir. Never once have I ever prayed a prayer like, Lord, I want to see Brother Bailey. Let him come back to me. Lord, I want to see Catherine Coleman or I want to see Smith Wigglesworth. Don't ever pray those prayers. They're foolish prayers. The only one we want to see is Jesus. Amen. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. But in our pursuit of the Lord, sometimes, sometimes He allows and sends witnesses from the cloud to interact with us and we must have an expanded understanding uh, of faith to receive it or we are going to miss an important part of our training. I call them cloud encounters and I will close with this and I think this is very important. Matthew 17, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration and who are there with Him? Moses and Elijah. They're very much alive. They're not dead, they're very much alive. And they are there not to hang out with Jesus. Do you understand? They didn't come to hang out with Him. They came to encourage Him for His impending death but they came to impart something to the apostles as well. Peter, James, and John were on the mountain. A cloud comes from, the, from heaven. It's the cloud of the Father. And the Father speaks from the cloud and He says, this is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Amen. Now, the word for cloud is the word nephos in the Greek. It's the same word where we get the cloud of witnesses. Same word, all right? And the word overshadowed, this cloud overshadowed the disciples. Is the, it means to cast a shade or to envelop in a haze of brilliance, but it's also the same word, watch this, that the angel of the Lord said to Mary in Luke chapter 1, that you will be overshadowed by the Holy One, and, some, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, and therefore that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. What was the result of the overshadowing when the, the cloud overshadowed Mary? She was impregnated with the seed of the word of life. And this same cloud overshadowed Peter, James and Sean. And it's my postulation that something was imparted to them of eternity as well. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, a cloud received Jesus, a cloud received Jesus as He ascended to heaven. 
That's, that cloud is more than just moisture or water vapour. The cloud accompanied Jesus, the Bible says, all the way to heaven. Now I believe that that cloud was the cloud of witnesses. They came to welcome and receive Jesus back into heaven. But in Matthew 24, Jesus said that the Son of Man is coming with the clouds of heaven, not the clouds of earth. These are the clouds of heaven. This is not moisture again or water vapor. These are the clouds of heaven. And I believe that in that cloud of heaven is the cloud of witnesses returning with our King, hallelujah, to be witnesses of what is about to take place in the last days. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.